Hi everyone, welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Mueller, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Hey folks, it's Justin here, and on today's episode, we have an old colleague of ours dating back quite some time, early in our years at Hitachi Consulting. Today, we have Eric Oppisland with us. Eric has an extensive career in both finance and in the technology sector with a heavy emphasis in product management. So we're excited to have Eric here. Eric had a reputation when I was at Hitachi of being a mentor, a coach, someone who was highly regarded and respected, not only for his professional acumen, but for his ability to lead people. Eric has over 20 years of work experience as both a management consultant and full-time equivalent. His diverse skill sets include expertise in product management, most recently at Amazon, project management, and financial planning and advisory services. He is passionate about solving complex problems and helping others, and has spent the bulk of his free time giving back. Eric has his BA from the University of Washington, Michael G. Foster College of Business, and is an active alumni who has helped expand their student opportunities as an advisor and advocate, including as an industry advisor to a brand new student-led club focused on personal finance. In addition, he co-founded a microfinance company in his 20s, aimed at increasing financial access to rural Ghanaians, and has dedicated hundreds of hours to providing free consulting services for small, locally owned, and not-profit companies. Eric holds multiple certifications and licenses of finance, machine learning, and product management. Throughout his career, he has worked for Washington Mutual, Morgan Stanley, Hitachi, Microsoft, and Eric has worked internationally three times, including in the Philippines for WAMU, Ghana for microfinance, and most recently spent the last two and a half years in Luxembourg with Amazon. He's now back in Seattle as a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Lindsay. Happy to be here. Yes, we're excited to have you on. As Justin had mentioned, you served and still do as a coach and mentor to many others. So I imagine that you have quite a bit of good advice and great stories about moments in your career where you stopped because somebody dropped some type of pearl of wisdom that really made you think differently or pivot in your approach to your career. So I'm excited to hear, Eric, can you share with us what is the best advice you've received in your career thus far? And if you can kind of give us the context, where were you in your career? What was the background and experience you were having when you received that advice? Boy, it's really hard to distill almost 20 years of experience down into what is my favorite or what was the most impactful. But some of the most impactful advice that I ever got, or at least the one that I apply most frequently in the day-to-day, was to keep my mind flexible and resilient. You know, maybe another way of saying it that's more common is have a growth mindset, you know, or have an abundance mentality. But keeping my mind flexible and resilient, you know, I got that when I was in the business school and it was from a professor. And at first, I think it made sense from an academic perspective because, okay, you're in school, you're constantly learning, and each of your classes is trying to approach a subject from a different angle. But gosh, when I got to the corporate environment, especially when we were in consulting, keeping my mind flexible was important because A, it's a shifting world, right? The business landscape around us is always changing, and our clients are always paying for novel solutions or competitive advantage or insights into business problems in ways that they hadn't actually thought of before. So that's where it was really important to be flexible because you don't always know exactly what you need to know before you start analyzing the problem. And so you have to be open-minded to go out there and find some alternative perspectives for how you might solve it. And then the resilience part 
comes into play because you can't just be endlessly pursuing new types of knowledge and eventually that can get kind of overwhelming or you might run up against a challenge or a blocker. And if you don't have some type of resilience, then you're going to give up or you're going to fall or you're going to stop short of what the ultimate solution could be. So I think that that resilience word added to the sentence helps set my expectations in business school that, okay, this is a long all here. And it's not all about going out and finding the latest, greatest, sexiest thing. It's also about trudging up the mountain and getting to the top and it's not going to be easy along the way. I like when you add the importance of flexibility, because if somebody says to you, you need to have a growth mindset, then you can interpret that in different ways. Initially, you interpreted it and applied it to your academic and then later on to your career. The question you have to ask is, what does it mean to have a growth mindset and to say being flexible? I've received that type of advice before, and it was super helpful because if I came to work going, what are the challenges that will be thrown at me and how will I learn from this versus feeling like things were happening to me that I didn't have control of and trying to change what was happening, that was exhausting. I just say, how can I learn and grow from this? That was what made conflict and difficulty and challenges in my work life easier. So I'm wondering if you can maybe share a story with us about when you realize I need to approach this with a growth mindset and kind of tell us the story of what was the challenge or issue and how did you use that advice to help overcome it? Yeah, you know, so I have a very clear example in my mind. So prior to the financial crisis, I, you know, I spent the first part of my career at Washington Mutual. And then, you know, I was at the UW Business School and I was focused on finance there. I did my business school internship for almost two years at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney. And then after college, I joined a few other colleagues to start a microfinance enterprise in the rural part of Ghana in West Africa. So suffice to say, my career was very much focused on finance for financial services. And especially after doing that microfinance enterprise where I saw how much you could change a person's life just with a little bit of credit and a little bit of business planning, I really wanted to use my skill set in that capacity. But then we had the financial crisis and a lot of jobs in that industry really went away or dried up. And it wasn't clear if or when they were going to come back or how things might change. So I pivoted and that's when I got recruited into Hitachi. And I can remember, you know, when I joined, my first project was building a Excel model that helped a business kind of forecast different budget assumptions so that they could understand what their cash flow might be in various states of the economy. And then another one was helping a business come up with some internal interest rates to evaluate project trade-offs. So my consulting career kind of started down that path. And then I was approached by a manager at Hitachi who said, hey, I've heard that you are about to finish up your old project. We would like you to come join our other project. And I said, well, what is it? They said, well, we're building software. And I said, oh, that tech thing's really, it's kind of not for me. I'm really, you know, more interested in doing something finance related. And she said, well, okay, so these past two projects you had, did you have to talk to your customer and understand their need? And I said, yeah. And she goes, then did you go back and program some things and create this model? And I said, yeah. And she's like, well, that's kind of like software development, (laughs) kind of related. So how about you just come over and give it a try? We'll just put you in charge of one feature, not a whole application, and just see how you like it. And if you don't like it, you can change in a couple of months. I said, okay, I'll give that a try. I ended up working for her and that same client for the next four years. 
And then when I left Hitachi, I went on to be a software product manager at Amazon. So it really changed the entire trajectory of what would be the next 12 years of my career. And I was about to turn it down because I wasn't open-minded. I wasn't thinking about the growth opportunity. I really was stuck in this mental model of finance is where I've come from, finance is where I want to go. And if I wouldn't have said yes to her request to join that project, I would have missed out on the next 12 years, which I absolutely loved. I loved all my product management work from thereafter. So that was a really important turning point where I'm glad I heeded that growth mindset advice. Eric, as I've just kind of been surveying the landscape the last several years, I know at different points in my career, I felt anxious. And I left the military and got into the private sector when I was 31. So I've always felt this urgency, if you will. And it's always been self-imposed, never coming from outside of anyone but myself. But I've felt this urgency. And as I've led and mentored particularly younger, highly capable, very intelligent consultants, I find that they also have an urgency, sometimes almost a panic to advance their career as quickly as possible. And taking a step back and looking at the times that we live in, you know, I wonder how much of that is just good old fashioned ambition and a desire to perform and perform at a high level and push oneself in kind of the typical type A personality. If you'll notice in the tech industry in particular, there's a lot of young executives who are becoming billionaires before they're 25 or 30 years old. And so I've wondered how much that has contributed to that sense of anxiousness and desire to move ahead very, very quickly. Having said all that, every single person we've spoken to has had a career that's taken on a very asymmetrical journey and taken them down lots of left and right turns that they didn't anticipate. So I wonder, as you step back and you have that similar kind of journey of unanticipated twists and turns, but also being a high performer and someone who I'm sure has felt that urgency to advance at different times as well, making a bit of an assumption there. I wonder what kind of guidance you would give to that young, whip-smart consultant coming out of grad school or undergrad today in regards to how they should think about their career as they look forward and set goals. You're right. There is something in the zeitgeist out there that suggests we need to move quickly. Even in that HBO show, Silicon Valley, there's an episode where, you know, they're in their like early 20s, maybe 21, 22, and they hire like a 16 or 17 year old to come in and finish some code. And that teenager makes fun of them for being so old. There's something there that says if you're not racing to the top as quickly as possible, then you're already behind. And then you couple that with thinking about how fast, you know, the industry changes. So Number one hottest job right now is data science. 10 years ago, data science wasn't even hardly a thing. I don't know if schools are even teaching it. I don't know if the compute capacity was even there to have the volume of data that we have today. So, you know, you have some cultural things, but then also some tangible things about the evolution of the workforce that are driving that sense of urgency. Actually, another piece of valuable advice I got from a Hitachi manager was that a career can be like an hourglass, meaning that at the start of it, you know, you're maybe just coming out of school, so you don't have a lot of depth in terms of expertise or experience. So your career tends to be very broad. In consulting, you have the opportunity of doing a whole bunch of different projects over a series of years that can be everything from change management to business intelligence to corporate strategy, all these different domains. And over time, you begin to specialize into the skills you're good at and also your interests. So that's where you get kind of narrow in that hourglass. And once you become a subject matter expert, your career can begin to open up again because you can take that specialty and begin to apply it in a lot of different verticals or a lot of different industries. One of the insights that I took from that hourglass analogy is that, oh, it's a long road. 
you don't get to the top of the hourglass without going through the base and then the middle and then getting to the top, which maybe helped temper that sense of urgency that I had. It's not to say it fully went away, but it just helped me keep a perspective that a career is many, 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 many years long. And there's no way that you're going to shortcut it without perhaps sacrificing something else along the way. One other element that helps me is that my full objective was never to be CEO or to be at the top of the corporate pyramid. My focus has always been on doing things that I believe to be important to the world and help me grow and develop. And that meant I was willing to leave corporate and go to a startup or make these other changes because I wasn't just focused on making as much money as possible or getting as much power as possible. I instead was like, okay, how can I take this experience where I can really make a difference or really learn something new that's going to help me grow as a person? And I think that's like a higher order thinking or keeps your perspective on something bigger than yourself and bigger than just your career path that also kind of helps you realize it's a long road and you're not just going to learn it all in one day. That's fantastic. I could sit here and listen to you all afternoon, actually. And I was, <laughs> what resonates with me out of just the last part that you said is you want to be a multidimensional human being, and you also have to look at what you value, and it's not just strictly your career. That's a healthy, and I hate to use that word well-rounded, but a healthy, well-rounded, multidimensional human being who not only sees value in the work as they go to the office, but how the skills and capabilities and experiences that developed can help the world around them. So Yeah. Well, and I think that's important. I mean, you know, the roles that the three of us tend to have, they have usually a leadership component or a management component. We're also interfacing in a variety of stakeholders, whether there are clients or engineering teams or design teams, right? And if you're not multidimensional or if you're not well-rounded, you're not going to be able to communicate with those folks as well and empathize with them and actually bring something to life from your effort, right? So you kind of have to be well-rounded if you're going to be in kind of a leadership or stakeholder-facing role. Something I think that helps me become more open, I guess it goes back to that growth mindset is there's lots of different personality and work style types and even cultures because we were working for global companies with people in every country across the world. And you really have to learn how to work well with each type of person and personality. And you can't do that unless you're thinking about your career and your approach as something bigger that helps you grow in your career, but also as a human. Yeah. You know, being in consulting or being a leader or being a product manager, there's an element of diplomacy that you have to bring to the table. You know, I can recall in my last project at Amazon, I had an engineering team in Romania, another engineering team in India, and then some stakeholders in the UK, in London. And those communication styles were very different. The Romanian team liked to be much more direct. Whereas the London team, there was a lot more about social etiquette that had to go into the conversation. And I often found myself in the middle interpreting what each team meant between them and playing a diplomatic role so that we could continue to agree on what the objectives were and move forward. And if you don't have a lot of exposure to different cultures, different people, different ages, be that well-rounded person, it's going to be really hard to understand where the other person's coming from. So... I put a lot of value on experience and exposure. That deep well of experience, I think, is so important. Last question. And honestly, I think we need to have you on. Next season, we're talking about doing longer format interviews. It would be great to have you back. That would be fabulous. The audience would really gain a lot from 
your wisdom and experience. As you now transition back into the financial world and working as a financial advisor, how do you take that goodness that you've learned as a leader and a manager throughout your career and apply that to how you serve your clients now? Because I'm assuming it's not strictly talking about the dollars, but how do you bring that holistic kind of view to how you advise your customers? Yeah. So told a few people this analogy, but as a software product manager, my job was to gather business requirements, design a software solution, and build a roadmap for launching features over successive iterations. And as a financial advisor, you know, I'm working with individual people and the general public. I find that I'm sort of gathering personal requirements instead of business requirements and Instead of a software solution, I'm designing a financial solution and the roadmap is maybe 30 or 50 years long rather than, you know, a two-year feature launch roadmap. So there's definitely a hard skills overlap between what I've been doing for the past 12 years of my career and what I'm doing here. But I guess more directly to your question, working with individuals and diving into their finances, you know, finances and money are an engine or a platform for doing things that are important in life. So people are saving because they want to buy a house or they're saving for a child or they want to have some freedom in retirement, right? So there's all of these aspirations that people have and money is just a tool to help them do that. While I'm talking to them, yes, about what their savings contributions are and what investments we're going to do, I'm actually really talking to them about the dreams and hopes and aspirations that they have. Or... Sometimes they're going through difficult times. And so in that capacity, sometimes I'm a counselor or just someone who can listen and help strategize for how to get to the other side of the dark period in their life. But all that to say, it's very tangible and real with how I'm working with people. And that's why I like it because when someone tells me that they feel at peace because now they know that they can retire on time or they can send their kid to college, that makes me feel like I really put my effort and skill to good use. And I never felt it that powerfully when I was working in a corporate environment. So for me, this feels like an area where I can really make a difference on an individual person's or an individual family's life and also bring some of my previous corporate experience to bear. That's fantastic. I'll tell you, you might be getting a call from me then. <laughs> Well, in all seriousness, Eric, thank you so much for your time. I know we kept you over a little bit longer, but really a pleasure and lots of goodness to mine out of this. And like I said, we'd love to have you back on the next season. I would love to. I really like what you guys got going on here. As far as I can tell, it's one of the only podcasts out there that's talking really practically about business skills and business management. It's like a little mini masterclass to things we might have taken on internal training when you're at Hitachi. So I like what you guys are doing. I'm really happy about it. I would love to come back and have another conversation with you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric. Really appreciate it. That's it for today's episode. To access more information about the upcoming book, Refine and Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World, or find additional resources, head out to our website at refineandgrow.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode. Thanks for listening.